0: Wessex Tales. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Withered Arm, read by Tige Hines, Chapter nine. A rencounter. It was one o'clock on Saturday. Gertrude Lodge, having been admitted to the jail as above described, was sitting in a waiting room within the second gate, which stood under a classic archway of ashlar, then comparatively modern and bearing the inscription, COUNTY JAIL 1793. This had been the façade she saw from the heath the day before. Near at hand was the passage to the roof on which the gallows stood. The town was thronged, and the market suspended, but Gertrude had seen scarcely a soul. Having kept her room till the hour of the appointment, she had proceeded to the spot by a way which avoided the open space below the cliff, where the spectators had gathered but she could even now hear the multitudinous babble of their voices out of which rose at intervals the hoarse croak of a single voice uttering the words last dying speech and confession there had been no reprieve and the execution was over but the crowd still waited to see the body taken down soon the persistent girl heard a trampling overhead then a hand beckoned to her and following directions she went and crossed the inner paved court beyond the gatehouse her knees trembling so that she could scarcely walk. One of her arms was out of its sleeve and only covered by her shawl. On the spot at which she had now arrived were two trestles, and before she could think of their purpose she heard heavy feet descending stairs somewhere at her back. Turn her head she would not, nor could not, and rigid in this position she was conscious of a rough coffin passing her shoulder, borne by four men. It was open and in it lay the body of a young man wearing the smock-frock of a rustic and fustian breeches the corpse had been thrown into the coffin so hastily that the skirt of the smock-frock was hanging over the burden was temporarily deposited on the trestles by this time the young woman's state was such that a grey mist seemed to float before her eyes on account of which and the veil she wore she could scarcely discern anything it was as though she had nearly died but was held up by a sort of galvanism "'Now,' said a voice, close at hand, and she was just conscious that the word had been addressed to her. By a last strenuous effort she advanced, at the same time hearing persons approaching behind her. She bared her poor, cursed arm, and Davies, uncovering the face of the corpse, took Gertrude's hand and held it so that her arm lay across the dead man's neck, upon a line the colour of an unripe blackberry which surrounded it. Gertrude shrieked. The turn of the blood predicted by the conjurer had taken place, but at that moment a second shriek rent the air of the enclosure. It was not Gertrude's, and its effect upon her was to make her start round. Immediately behind her stood Rhoda Brooke, her face drawn, and her eyes red with weeping. Behind Rhoda stood Gertrude's own husband, his countenance lined, his eyes dim but without a tear. "'Damn you! What are you doing here?' he said hoarsely. "'To come between us and our child now!' cried Rhoda. "'This is the meaning of what Satan showed me in the vision. You are like her at last!' And clutching the bare arm of the younger woman she pulled her unresistingly back against the wall. Immediately Brooke had loosened her hold, the fragile young Gertrude slid down against the feet of her husband. When he lifted her up she was unconscious. The mere sight of the twain had been enough to suggest to her that the dead young man was Rhoda's son at that time the relatives of an executed convict had the privilege of claiming the body for burial if they chose to do so and it was for this purpose that lodge was awaiting the inquest with rhoda he had been summoned by her as soon as the young man had been taken in the crime and at different times since and he had attended in court during the trial this was the holiday he had been indulging in of late the two wretched parents had wished to avoid exposure and hence had come themselves for the body a waggon and sheet for its conveyance and covering being in waiting outside. Gertrude's case was so serious that it was deemed advisable to call to her the surgeon who was at hand. She was taken out of the jail into the town, but she never reached home alive. Her delicate vitality, sapped perhaps by the paralysed arm, collapsed under the double shock that followed the severe strain, physical and mental, to which she had subjected herself during the previous twenty-four hours. Her blood had been turned, indeed, too far. Her death took place in the town three days after. Her husband was never seen in Casterbridge again, once only in the old market-place at Anglebury, which he had so much frequented, and very seldom in public anywhere. Burdened at first with moodiness and remorse, he eventually changed for the better, and appeared as a chastened and thoughtful man. Soon after attending the funeral of his poor young wife. He took steps towards giving up the farms in Holmstoke and the adjoining parish, and, having sold every head of his stock, he went away to Port Breedy at the other end of the county, living there in solitary lodgings till his death, two years later of a painless decline. It was then found that he had bequeathed the whole of his not inconsiderable property to a reformatory for boys, subject to the payment of a small annuity to Rhoda Brook, if she could be found to claim it for some time. She could not be found but eventually she reappeared in her old parish, absolutely refusing, however, to have anything to do with the provision made for her. Her monotonous milking at the dairy was resumed, and followed for many long years, till her form became bent, and her once abundant dark hair white and worn away at the forehead, perhaps by long pressure against the cows. Here sometimes those who knew her experiences would stand and observe her, and wonder what sombre thoughts were beating inside that impassive wrinkled brow. TO THE RHYTHM OF THE ALTERNATING MILK-STREAMS. Blackwood's Magazine, January, 1888 End of chapter 9 That's the end of The Withered Arm